Yeah, what's the main what's the main form of industry in South Carolina? My cousin's got a turkey farm. I don't know. <laughs> Welcome to episode of Nation. My name is Brandon Sparks. And I'm Thomas Horton. And here on Nation, we discuss film genres and the tropes and stories within them. And for October, we are diving into the genre known as body horror. And as we said previously, we ourselves are learning a lot about this genre this month, and we hope you're doing the same along with us. Uh, but Thomas, last week we talked about the thing... Uh, and the intros to this genre. Can you talk about like, what we discussed last week? Yeah, last week we we talked a little bit about the kind of influence of pop culture and and politics and kind of where the world was around the time of kind of the rise of body horror, specifically the idea of like the Red Scare and like the early stories of pod people, invasions of the body snatchers in the 50s and 60s, and this idea that it might involve this like, people around you could be infected could be possessed or whatever and you wouldn't know it until it manifests physically so so there's that aspect to it of like not knowing who to trust and like creatures being all around you at all times we also talked about how the actual body horror aspect of it can relate to like losing your own agency you know something taking over your body and mutating it has all sorts of implications as far as we as people and like how much control do we have over ourselves and mortality and <laughs> yeah and all that so plenty of plenty of dark uh themes here but also you know it's just all about the blood and the guts and we talked about how important practical uh special effects are in this in this genre perhaps you know the the genre where the vfx artists the special effects artists really get to shine um, yeah. you know really get to let loose we talked a lot in the thing about how the special effects artist on that film was just kind of able to set his imagination free and then see if he could build anything that could that could go with it so very important uh relationship in this genre between kind of your imagination what you can come up with to shock people and then these amazing people and special effects being able to realize that yeah it's it's interesting you bring that up because like the the whole core of say body horror it's like it's physical disruption of the body in some way and when looking at the practical effects or, or makeup effects as well it's like when you think of kind of some of the, some of the movies that kind of push the the boundaries of like practical effects it's like it's like the thing or it's like an american wealth in london which like is a horror comedy like the movie we're talking about today but also like it is a body horror in a way of a character who's transforming into a human being into a werewolf and it's a character who's fighting to keep their humanity and as you said that's kind of the, a running theme that happens where everyone's mm -hmm. trying to fight to keep their humanity um how how this physical disruption or physical kind of uh uh grotesque thing that can happen to someone affects them mentally in a way um and that runs from, from like I said, those early universal horror films of, of say, Frankenstein or where, or the Wolfman, and then all the way into the 50s with Invasion of the Body Snatchers, then in the 80s. And then I think with this movie that we're talking about today, and I won't say too much because you're the one that, that chose this film today, it's like this harkens back to some of those earlier films within the genre of, of body horror. Yes, definitely a, a loving tribute to a lot of the films that came before it 80s and 50s it's very it's very mm -hmm. it's interesting to look at 
So today we're talking about Slither. And I don't say too much because you picked this movie. But why, why did you pick Slither today, Thomas? Slither is one that just kind of comes to mind for me. You know, when, when you said, when, when, when we both kind of landed on, on body horror this month, that was one my mind immediately went to. I think because it is, it's one of those things that is so chock full of references to other yeah. body horror movies that it itself kind of feels like the, the pinnacle um, yeah. <laughs> not saying not saying it's the it's the best of these in any way but it you know it's kind of like pure concentrated body horror in the way that it just draws on all the best of all you know the best of the best and puts them all together into this one no i agree so so let's let's dive into it because I'll, I'll i'll reveal a little bit about my my history with slither because it's very brief um but what is slither about thomas so slither is a body horror comedy yeah. In which a meteor crash disturbs the quiet life of small town Wheelsy, South Carolina. Gotta say, yeah. I didn't remember that it was set in South Carolina when I picked this movie. I literally thought hey. I was like, "Is that what Thomas picked this film?" It applies back to our um, applies back to last month as well. Yeah, Southern month. Um, yeah, as an alien parasite riding on the meteor infects the town, turning them all into gruesomely mutated zombies with a taste for raw meat. <laughs> and this was uh, written and directed by James Gunn. We've got. In our cast, we've got Nathan Fillion as Bill Party, coming pretty fresh off of his kind of breakout in Firefly. Um, Elizabeth Banks as Starla Grant, and Michael Rooker as her husband Grant Grant. Mm-hmm. Chris was uh, this was Gunn's directorial debut. He had gained a reputation as a studio moneymaker with by writing the uh, the Scooby Doo movies, and uh, had become highly re- respected amongst horror fans for writing the 2004 dawn of the dead film that was uh directed by Zack snyder which was a huge 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 hit another person we got a shout out in our kind of crew highlights is todd masters he was the uh special effects um head for this he got his start on uh tales from the crypt in the 90s and he's gone on uh especially to work in prominent television shows he he and his team masters effects did true blood for hbo and legion on fx so Brandon, what's your uh, what's, what's my your history, history with Slither? My history with Slither started a few days ago. Uh, <laughs> no, no uh, so so Slither was one. So this came out in two thousand six, and let's see, what was the? Sorry, how old I was? I, yeah, I was like fifteen, and I was not. As I mentioned, I think last week, I was not really into horror at a young age. So this is like one I remember seeing like trailers for. And I think the poster at the movie, and I was just like, that is not for me. Like, mm-hmm. just, it's the, I think the poster's like, it's the bathtub with the slugs kind of uh, uh, crawling towards the bathtub, basically. And I was like, I don't know if that's a movie for me. So it kind of, it's one that slipped by me in that period. And then later mm-hmm. on, I got more into horror. And, but I never kind of went back to that film. And then, you know, James Gunn happens and it's always like oh yeah he made slither that movie i didn't watch when it first came out because i didn't like horror films mm-hmm. um and so now when you picked it, i was like, okay maybe it's time for me to finally jump in and 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 watch slither so that that's my very brief history is that i was aware of it i became aware of it later on in life because of james gunn doing it but i knew about it like like just the trailer of those of the, of the girl in the bathtub and the slugs kind of coming up around her mm-hmm. is what it was so yeah not not usually with these films i have like a more detailed of like i grew up with their this and this is one where 
I'm coming to it very fresh. Yeah, nice. Well, I'm glad glad we could introduce you to it. Yeah, this is one that I've I've been into for a while. I, I remember it coming out. I didn't see it, but when I was in college, uh, James Gunn's second movie, Super, yeah. was in the works, and I remember kind of I, I liked Rain Wilson, obviously, and it seemed like like a like a dark superhero uh, parody really appealed to me. So I remember like reading stuff gearing up to that, and everybody was like, and if you if you love Slither, you'll love this. And I was like, oh, okay, well, I need to see Slither. So sought it out sometime in, in college, pre, pre-Guardians. pre And yeah. I just remember them announcing him to do a Marvel movie and just being like, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so what are, what are your initial thoughts? Initial thoughts. So it, it's interesting. This is... At first, I was like, "What can I say about Slither?" Is that 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 that, that, that uh, hasn't been said with other people? It, it's an interesting uh, turn of the horror comedy because there are very funny moments. It's it's very much both. It's very much a lot of horror with these kind of disgusting in a good way, disgusting kind of special effects with this and grotesque special effects, but then also really kind of laugh out loud moments. And it's interesting, kind of looking at this movie. Again, we just we talked about horror comedies last year, and talked about how the genres are so closely tied together in some way because they both elicit responses in in mm-hmm. in, a, in a way, and this one does that very well of kind of walking that tightrope of horror and comedy, and I can see why one one of the articles you sent me it's like how it didn't do as well as I hoped because in terms of marketing with horror comedies. Uh, I understand that because it's like, where do you put this film at in the whole scheme of things? It's mm-hmm. like some people really just want the horror, some people just really want the comedy, and I think this does g- give give you both. And uh, yeah, some of the practical effects are like really got me. I gotta be real. I was like, yeah. oh wow, this is yeah, yeah. this is disgusting. Uh, but a great cast, and we'll dive into that more. But I, th- I think it's a fun cast and. You very much see James Gunn's kind of, uh, and we'll dive into this for sure. You'll see James Gunn's kind of uh, characteristics, and in some cases, his tropes that he plays with. Um, as you, you and I kind of discussed, there's some similarities between another movie of his. Yeah, that's present yeah, in this I, film. I, I texted you, yeah, after I watched it, I was like, I, I had forgotten. Yeah, and like, then, wow, I, this and is then, very and so we, and when you told me that, and I watched, I go, oh, these are like. Like scenes, like mm-hmm. like whole like kind of se- not sequences, but whole scenes of like how certain things happen that come from something else. So yeah, what were your thoughts? Or, what was your thoughts on rewatching it this time though? Yeah, fantastic. The the special effects really yeah. hold up. Yeah, I think I think this is, I think body horror is a really interesting subgenre to do horror comedy. Yeah, because. There, there are there is some concerns within horror comedy and we talked about this last last year why it's tough to do is like a laugh kind of paired with a scare can kill a scare sometimes it can yeah. feel like like softening a punch but with this you you can you can you know show something insanely disgusting and cut to nathan fillion with a funny one-liner and that doesn't like nathan fillion's one-liner does not change the fact that what you just saw yeah was absolutely horrifyingly disgusting yeah nathan Flynn, and we'll discuss this later like he he's very much the audience surrogate when this yeah. film, where something happens he's like what the hell was that 
like there's a, yeah there's a great moment where you see like several naked zombies like I just, assimilate i was into, just watching that right before this episode yeah, like assimilate yeah. into one blob and nathan, yeah. they cut back to nathan philly and he goes that's some fucked up shit and, and it's like yeah that's a that's a funny laugh but yeah. you know that's a good line but yeah it doesn't change the fact that what you just saw was horrifying yeah it was it's like you're just seeing this man just like this naked man just become part of this blob of flesh basically yeah oh man <laughs> yep that's this movie this is not for the faint heart guys nope so a little bit of history for how it got made james gunn he says he was out to dinner with his brother one time and they were talking about horror movies and he said he just immediately had this clear vision of a single shot from the film uh to quote it he said it was a woman on her knees going into convulsions with her eyes rolling into the back of her head as a foot-long red parasite burrows through her mouth and into the back of her throat flapping its tail like a docked trout which huh. uh, would make its way directly into the film in that bathroom scene that was yeah. used in most of the promotional materials he began to develop this image into a full script saying he wanted to pay tribute to a lot of his favorite body horror films including shivers reanimator mm -hmm. the thing remake both invasion of the body snatchers movies the fly mm -hmm. remake the brood evil dead 2 and many more but with the tongue-in-cheek b-movie style that gun had been brought up in his time at trauma entertainment yeah a little background on trauma we've talked a lot on this podcast about roger corman and the the roger corman kind of film school that that birthed a lot of uh a lot of filmmakers trauma is it was pretty similar it was it was later it was more like 80s and 90s whereas corman was like 70s and 80s but it was run by uh, Lloyd Kaufman, who had a very similar mindset to Carmen that was just like churn out these B movies. And his were a little bit more horror aimed than than, you know, um, Corman did horror, but was also mm -hmm. like action and that sort of thing. But Kaufman did films like uh, Toxic Avenger, Newcomb High and Gunn came up within his kind of school. He was like. He wrote for his movies. The first one, he, he wrote pieces of other things. The first movie he was credited as writing the screenplay was uh, called Tromeo and Juliet, which was a B-movie take on Romeo and Juliet. So yeah, similar similar to Corman in this way, that was just like, hey, anybody come hurt here, we'll kind of do whatever. We just got to make a bunch of stuff, put it out on VHS, make what money yeah. we can off of it, and we're going to have fun. Yeah. So a lot of that kind of B-movie... I don't want to say cheap, but like, you know, they, they had budgetary restraints yeah. there. And so they learned how to do things kind of on the fly. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of that came up with Gunn as he started writing for actual studio films. So Gunn sent the script around to a few studios and had immediate interest from several of them. Like I said earlier, his Dawn of the Dead film was a huge success. Rave reviews, critics and horror fans alike really launched Snyder's career, launched Gunn's career more than doubled its budget at the box office. So, I mean, people were definitely looking to work with him at this point. I'm sure he was one of those names that if a script shows up from him, everyone in the studio knows to, to read it. Um, so there were a lot of interested parties, but of all the parties, uh, Gold Circle, which was a production company within Universal, told Gunn that they wanted the script and they wanted him to direct it, which is mm -hmm. not something he had been considering before. Oh. Yeah, he said he had just originally intended to sell the script and move on, but once they kind of approached him with the idea to direct it and it got that idea in his head he said he realized that 
handing it off to another director they might easily miss the mix of Mm -hmm. humor and and homage and horror that was kind of built into the script so yeah he decided to go with gold circle they gave him a 15 million dollar budget uh so for a b-horror movie what was written as a b-horror movie probably a good bit more than than they were (laughs) expecting to make it for but they they put that money to work (laughs) when it came time to pick a cast uh gun immediately knew he wanted michael rooker he was a big fan of his performance in henry portrait of a serial killer which side note is a one of the darkest films i've ever seen before in my life Mm -hmm. that is a dark that's a rough movie it's a rough watch it's not it's uh, one time is enough one but, but but worker is is amazing in that film it's amazing yeah. in that film for the role of starla uh grant grant grant's wife he wanted someone with a timeless hitchcock blonde look unfortunately okay. not many people who fit that bill were eager to do a film like this <laughs> but um elizabeth banks was given to him on a short list and gunn immediately knew she was perfect banks mm-hmm. was pitched the film by her agent and sa- says she almost turned it down but they gave her the script and she read it and realized it was more of a comedy than it had been described to her. She thought they were just trying to get her to do this gross out horror movie. Yeah. Oh, I should note, uh, most of our source for this episode <laughs> is from uh, a DVD commentary done by James Gunn and Nathan Fillion together. So that will kind of show you some of the jokes within the information that we have about this movie. Yeah. Yeah. That being said, according to James Gunn, Nathan Fillion was only cast for the Canadian tax credits because he is a Canadian local. (laughs) (laughs) Gotta keep that budget down, you (laughs) know? So we'll get in a little bit more about on set life, but first off, what are what are some of your favorite scenes, Brandon? You've just seen it fresh for the first time. What's uh what's sticking out to you? Yeah, literally when I when I got done, I was just like, how can I pick favorite scenes from this film? Because again, it's like it's a it's this film is like I don't want to say it's a vibe, but it's very <laughs> much just like this is the, like this overarching kind of feel throughout the entire thing. Um, I mean, I'll say this: I mean, just a great sequence as a whole, and it's it's why it's in all the marketing is the bathtub sequence. Mm. Like, I think that is just well shot. I think it's it's a scene that does a lot of turns where he like i i think if another director does it you think like because the whole the whole premise of this in this specific scene is it's the the older teenage daughters like in the bathtub and all other families like going to bed or just it's a it's an it's like they're like the two young daughters are sleeping in their beds and the parents are off doing something or off just like like winding down for the night and all these slugs just start attacking this teenage girl and she fights them off with like with the with the uh um uh oh gosh like with just basically all these things in the bathroom to to kill these slugs and then you just start seeing all of her family being killed and like i feel like another director like tries to save at least some of the people in the other in the family <laughs> like like may like the two do- the other two daughters and it just becomes like the three sisters uh, like alive nah he just like gets rid of all of them mm-hmm. and it's just the teenage daughter who's trying to 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 kind of get out get out of the house and it's great kind of her getting out of the house trying to escape is well crafted again that's where the, that's where the slugs really you get to see the kind of uh how massive they can be in terms of just the sheer number of slugs that mm-hmm. are going around this town and that's kind of again that's kind of your your memorable shot is the overhead of the of the bathtub 
And so I think that's that's the scene that will always kind of stick out to me because of how well it was done. And again, how just the imagery of it was 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 kind of perfect for yeah. this type of film. Yeah. And I think I think that one's a great example of him kind of topping off a really terrifying scene with like a, a good laugh. Mm-hmm. I love when when Nathan Fillion kind of stumbles up on it and he's like, he's like, hey, what's what, going on? <laughs> what's going on with you? And the dad's yeah. like, I don't know. Pulls an Abby. <laughs> two little girls are like, we're itchy. <laughs> uh, what's one that you have? Well, I think I gotta go. I didn't want to. I didn't want to blow the the best one right off the bat. But you gotta go with the Brenda, Brenda in the barn. <laughs> I remember, like before I saw this movie, seeing that picture and just being like, "What the what hell is this is movie?" That? <laughs> So they they stumble upon this oh woman God. who's been missing, and she is out in a barn where she has been impregnated with thousands of of slugs, parasitic slugs, and causing her to blow up like a human balloon. And they've got that great moment. They open the doors up, and she goes, "I think there's something wrong oh, with me." <laughs> and then you've got Philly, yeah, you've got Philly and playing, and and um, like we gotta get to the hospital. What the hell are they gonna do? <laughs> Yeah, let's see. Um, I gotta find that actor's name. The mayor, Greg Henry. Yeah, yeah, so Greg, Greg Henry. Yeah, Greg Henry and Nathan Fillion both kind of reacting to <laughs> what they're seeing, she's which like, is truly but, horrifying. It's like I'm hungry. It's <laughs> what she said. Because mm-hmm. what's so what's so jarring with that scene is that like the last time you saw her is like she's been put in the barn and like you see her as like how she was like when you first met. You're just like. But like, yeah, like she's she's tied. She's like she's handcuffed to the, uh, like in the in the in the barn, and like she's like hungry, and he's like feeding her. And so it's so jarring is when you cut from seeing her like not even just like fifteen minutes before in a regular human form, to now this blown up like blimp basically, and just two eyes like two like just the face. It's just like a face, and then just a mound huge just circle of flesh is what mm. it is of this woman and and just yeah their reaction of just like what the hell do we do because that's when like it really like you those the sequence because you also have the rooker like in the and rooker's weird form of just the grotesque nature of his body mm-hmm. but that yeah that the the balloon brenda again a great mix of comedy and grotesqueness in that scene yeah. is what it is yeah brenda Oh, I didn't want no one seeing me like this. Oh, 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 oh. Shit. Oh. How's my boy, Bill? Is he all right? Boy's fine, Brenda. Uh, so, what's going on here, exactly? I'm so fucking hungry, Bill. I'm so hungry. I never knew anyone could be so hungry. <laughs> Mind handing me a, a piece of that 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 possum over there, just a little bit. <clears throat> I think we best get you to the hospital right quick. What the fuck they gonna do with her in the hospital, Bill? Shut up. And it's hard it's hard to to pick out a scene specifically from the kind of first third of this film, but I do think that's something. You know, we're back in we're back in October. I've been watching I, I restarted my shutter subscription. I've been watching a lot of horror movies. Yeah. And that is the tell between like I can sit and watch a horror movie that is just god awful until the, you know, 
until the first act is over and the scary stuff starts. Yeah. And if the scary stuff is well done, I'll go, yeah, that was a pretty good movie. Even yeah. if the first act is just miserable, which a lot yeah. of them are. <laughs> and that's what kind of sets aside like a truly great horror movie, I think, is having an actual good first act and making it feel like a real movie Yeah. overall, you know? And I think the first act in this one is is a really good sign you know, if you're back in time and seeing this for the first time, I think that's a really good sign that the gun has a future, not just as a horror, you know, a horror filmmaker, but as a filmmaker in general. It's like, yeah, that it is an enjoyable, it's an enjoyable film before the scary stuff starts, yeah. you know? Um, so many of these movies, you just feel like they're just like, here are the characters we are biding our time until they start getting killed. Yeah. The, yeah. He, he's able to kind of, it's, it harkens back again, kind of to this older genre feels like where it's like we're setting up the town and the mm-hmm. people in the town and like I, I loved kind of the montage element at the beginning where it's like kind of the shots of the town and mm-hmm. what it's like is what it is um but you do you do get this like and some people might say it's cliche but it's it's because it's such a a tribute to these type of movies it, it's it's on purpose where it's like it's the small town it's the sheriff who has the has a who's had a crush on the young the the or the the hot woman or the hot girl that he went to school with um but she's now married to like the rich guy because she was from like kind of the lower side or the 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 was in from a lower class family and they still have this kind of unspoken love in a way because of all this and grant grant which is just an amazing name uh for a character with rooker it's like he's you you get everyone's character you get everyone's relationship pretty quickly mm mm-hmm. And you're capturing kind of the mundaneness of the town as well. As well, it's like it's when like when when Fillion and the other copper and the cop car at the beginning, like trying to do the speed of the of the of the whomping or the of the willow, basically or whatever it was. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it's I think it's it's fun. Like I said, it does it does set up the world very nicely. That's one match I'll never get. Ain't no mystery. Star was raising them shanties off St. Luke, dirt poor. All she ever wanted was to be a lady. Oh, Grant, Grant, he's always been made of green. Gold digger, huh? Oh, hell, Margaret. Starla's mother left her. Daddy's a drunk. She's 17 years old. Old Grant pulls up, big old Cadillac, house on the hill, and college tuition. What would you do? Well, hell, if he had a Johnny, you'd have married him, too. What's a Johnny? It's a country, you know, where Johnny's people come from. Oh, Learn to eavesdrop better. Zach, hell, your mother's waiting over there. Oh. What the hell are you doing here? Scoot. One small scene I really like is it's when Jack McCready is ranting about Mr. Pip. <laughs> <laughs> when he's just like, no, God damn, Mr. Pip. <laughs> it's just such a random, just like, uh, um, non sequitur about in the middle of all this. He's like, where's my Mr. Pip? <laughs> oh man. Anyway, I just, gun, I just want to gun fans. Uh, Gun fans may have made the connection that Nathan Fillion's character, uh, the detachable kid, oh, is depicted he's... drinking a Mr. Pibb in Suicide Oh, you're Squad. right. You're right. So let's, and okay, so let's dive into that right now. Because since you brought up the Suicide Squad, the Suicide Squad, mm-hmm. it, it, there are many references, it feels like, of Slither in the Suicide Squad. Mm-hmm. Because the not to spoil too much with the suicide squad i'm sorry if you haven't seen it yet but the things that the the starfish does in the suicide squad are very reminiscent of the the what what 
Rooker's character, the parasitic kind of alien yes. slug, yes. does in this movie. <laughs> it is an alien that shoots off other smaller aliens that turn everyone into like a hive mind. Um, yes. So yeah, there's there's this this the scene I, I think of is um you know when they've got the house and they're all kind of descending upon the house and they're all talking to Starla yeah. as Grant. Yes. That is so uh, yeah, there's a couple moments in in the Suicide Squad where where Starro is is speaking to them but it's speaking as all of these people all around them that are yeah. infected by Starro. Um yeah, definitely. You know what? I'm not sorry if you haven't seen Suicide Squad. Ninety nine percent on Rotten Tomatoes. What are you waiting for? Well, right now there's nowhere to see it in the, <laughs> at the moment. Is it still? On, it's not on HBO Max right now, is it? Or is it? No, is it... it's on. It just came out on like Blu-ray like two weeks ago. So I think they're gotcha. giving it a little bit of time. Um, gotcha. To do that before they put it back on. Fun film. HBO. Uh, no, it's it's yeah, and there's like the scene of like don't let get on your face is kind of the Starro mm-hmm. thing, and this one's like don't let get in your mouth, and so them like just covering their mouth. I think that's a great scene too, of like when the slugs start taking over those characters and it mm. just becomes like a all out like just survive yeah moment. And i watched a um i watched a video essay that brought up a good point is there's a very interesting perspective shift in this movie and that the beginning the first kind of half of the movie is very much a like third person omniscient point mm-hmm. of view where you're just looking in on every member of the town and and once kind of brenda bursts <laughs> we become we, we really just see it through starla um what's the cop's name bill bill Bill. yeah starla bill and kylie the young girl and so from then on we're kind of in their shoes and figuring it because you know we we see a lot of the mechanics of like how grant works beforehand Mm -hmm. you know before anybody but grant knows that he's infected but then once Mm -hmm. it kind of bursts we're figuring things out with them it's like oh they can spit acid now like oh they're all gathering at grant's house like Mm -hmm. um and then we you know we don't really see grant's like true form until until starla does which is a truly terrifying scene it 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 is it is yeah again that that goes into the practical effects of this film like what the what's done with rooker and brenda is just insane like especially when it gets to the finale of rooker it's just it's just the detail of it so that the, and the thing is too the way that and when, it's very brief i'll say it later but like when they when they go into the cgi realm in this movie like early on it doesn't really work mm-hmm. and i was like really worried when i first started i was like oh no this is what's gonna be the rest of the movie is this cg uh but luckily it really just becomes all practical effects once that the intro to this into this parasitic alien into rooker once that happens it becomes all practical Mm-hmm. Um, and, it's, and it's the subtlety that happens over time of how they're changing Rooker's appearance. It starts off just like kind of the hives or whatever, and and it's just and then it becomes the the weird like distorted head that he has that like is like has like just he's just like oh yeah it's it's I, I went <laughs> to the doctor it's okay it'll, it'll calm I t- took some medicine or whatever it's gonna calm down and then it just progressively gets worse and worse and worse and to where it's just like squid arm. So he gets a squid arm, and then it's just like this weird, like the way he moves is so so odd too. Like he slides mm-hmm. or whatever. Oh man! And I love too. It's like with 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 Starla, how like she's still trying to like be his wife during all yeah. of this. She's like Grant's still in there. Grant's still in there, and he's just like, I don't know if he is. 
I heard you're going to get Grant. Yeah, we, uh... I think I should go with you. Well, go with... Honey, no. No. Bill, you need Look, to I let me know. Look, I ain't well met on police procedure, but I'm sure there's a heap of no, regulations against fault. taking a civilian on a stakeout. coming. This is my fault. It ain't your fault he tried to kill you. He had all those physical symptoms. He was acting Starlet, peculiar. thank you. I was just trying to pretend thank that you, it wasn't happening, Bill. I appreciate the offer, Bill. but I can't. If that girl's still out there, how are you going to find her? How unless you bring Grant back alive? Your best... Your only chance of doing that is with me. I love that Nathan Fillion's just completely out of his depth. Uh, the character Bill is just completely out of mm -hmm. his depth the entire time, mm -hmm. and I, I I do love his kind of chemistry with all the other cops and people in the in the, like the sheriff's office. Like him and mm -hmm. Jenna Fisher, I think have great great chemistry of her being like the dispatch worker uh, at the sheriff's department. Yeah, and he's got you know even for this kind of like forged by fire newfound friendship with Kylie that you know by the end of it they've got a really fun like when he's like I'm gonna. I'm going to tell everybody I saved you from that deer. <laughs> <laughs> One other thing I love too, uh, that I'm going to, I think we're going to learn more about when we dive into Cronenberg more, but I love guns references to older films within the genre. Mm -hmm. Like I was reading a little bit of a book on body horror of late and they talk about Cronenberg and they talk about shivers, as you said, which is one of his earlier films and the bat, the, there's a bathtub sequence very similar to, the one in Slither in Shivers by Cronenberg, um, which is, and then a lot of other things that happen. One thing I noticed too, I don't know if this was meant to be this way, but did you notice how they transition sometimes from seeing the scenes in this film? It's a lot of fades, fade to blacks, which is uh, very, yeah. very reminiscent of the thing. The thing does mm -hmm. that a lot. And this film does it as well. And I wondered if that was a, a choice in terms of honoring and, and like paying homage to the thing um, and how they do that in this film. Cause I was like, that's yep. odd. Cause you don't see, that's not a thing you see a lot, especially mm -hmm. when you get into like 2006 era, you're not seeing a lot of fade to blacks to transition to the next scene. And when, when watching the thing this past time, I noted I, that, that, that hit me that with that film and it hit me just the same with this film um, yeah. where it work. It works for the tone they're trying to do. It's interesting. A lot of dead dogs in this one too. Dogs do not fare well in the in the body horror. I genre. thought the same exact thing. <laughs> I thought the same exact thing. I was like, dogs do not do well in these films. It was like uh, we talked about this a while ago with with the with the hunt with the uh, haunted house movies, where mm -hmm. like dogs dogs are very interesting in the horror genre. Like the dog in that film and, and the haunted house movies are always the they always spot the ghost. There's something wrong. Yeah. Usually yeah. it's the barking you hear or something. And then yeah, this that's one, true. You know, we yeah. said in haunted house movies, we said always listen to the dog. But if you're in the thing, don't listen to the dog. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Gunn said, uh, "Gun is a very noted uh, dog lover," and he said the only thing out of this movie, the only effect out of this movie that really like got to him, was when Starla finds the dog in the basement. Um, yeah, he said just like walking onto the set and seeing that one like really rubbed him the wrong really yeah. really irked him so that that messed me yeah that, yeah i understand i get that james i totally get that so yeah a little bit more on set life while gun and, and cast members all note that it was a very fun set with a you know good working environment by all means the conditions themselves were brutal uh much of the film is set outside in a single night which led <laughs> to many 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 night shoots outside in canada in the winter and no matter how hard the prosthetics artists work to make their pieces as comfortable as possible, it's it's never going to be 
comfortable to mm -hmm. wear a lot of prosthetics. Yeah. So by the end of Rooker's transformation, he was spending over seven hours in makeup to be ready. Oh, God. Um, he, he did say it was easy in that last scene to make Grant look like he's in tremendous emotional pain because <laughs> he himself was in a lot of pain from the prosthetics. <laughs> oh, God. Rooker also said in the scene where Grant runs out of the house with his squid arm kind of dangling, the arm prosthetic actually dislocated his shoulder in one take. Oh but my he didn't God. say he didn't want to say anything to anybody until after he was sure they got the shot. That sounds like Michael Rooker. I gotta be honest. Michael <laughs> Rooker from Jasper, Alabama. I I love I, I may have brought this up on the show before, but ha having worked with Rooker, there is a there's this like unspoken thing around him that everyone talks about him like he's an asshole. <laughs> that he's actually the nicest guy ever but it's just kind of running joke that he's like oh rooker's here like everyone does that. <laughs> and then he hops like one time i had to go grab him for something they're like can you go get rooker and like i went and grabbed him and like had to bring like the they needed him for an interview yeah so like we hop in a van and we like get out the van and he's like i can't get him to the tent because he's stopping to talk to, to like, every person that we walk by he's great he, he's, he's he's a great guy great actor I, I get why James Gunn wants him in everything. I totally understand mm -hmm. that. So speaking of prosthetics, Brenda James, the actress who played oh, Brenda, no. is severely claustrophobic. And um, it Whoa. does not sound like she had a good time in her prosthetic scenes. I got, how, how did they t is she is that actually her in, in the big balloon? That is her. There's a there's a video um, of the kind of the building of that. It's pretty interesting. On the on the inside, it's just a lot of kind of scaffolding. It was built on springs so that it would like jiggle and they had multiple puppeteers in there with her but it was really just like um they they built this kind of thing it was it's almost like laying like face forward in a dentist chair almost oh. but they built this thing that she kind of laid in and then her head just kind of popped out the front of it but oh, that's that's oh, <laughs> so she was claustrophobic you said yeah. <laughs> and that is does that sound like a fun ride for a person who has a who ha is claustrophobic no well and speaking of that prosthetics the uh the team at Masters FX says when they were developing that look, they kept trying to steer Gun into something more realistic. Also, maybe maybe a little bit easier, but uh, they they have they <laughs> show the some key. of their sketches in a um, behind the scenes feature on the DVD. And you know they were sketching a bunch of like, oh okay, what if she's just like really pregnant, but she is still like a human, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and, and Gun just kept shooting him down. He said he insisted that Brenda just be a giant flesh ball like a detached pregnant belly with a face poking out where the navel should be. Oh, and God. you know what? I think right. they nailed it. I think they nailed it. I think they did. I was like, yep, that sounds about right. You were also talking about like in the way that, that Grant kind of moves in that scene where they confront him in the, um, yeah. in the field when he is there's some of that is CGI, but, but a lot of that, he is a full sized puppet and they had multiple puppeteers uh, controlling him and then they went back in and kind of you yeah, know, had them beep, wear beep. like green suits and went back yep. in and removed them but that's yeah that is what kind of gives it that really interesting yeah, it's in it's it's a really interesting yeah a very interesting movement um to go with this to speak bring it the practical effects it's like you think 10 years after this this like the the balloon woman is cgi like that's like i don't know if they recreate that nowadays mm-hmm I feel like that this would be and and there's something you get. And I had to be the old man shouting from like his porch, and it feels like um, of like there's something you get when seeing like practical effects done in that way. Yeah, that just there there there's a realness to it that it feels it feels uh, uh, it just feels real. 
If, if yeah, feels... well, and I, I saw in an interview with Gunn when he was talking about the decision to do it as practical as possible. And this goes back to like we said basically the same thing last week with the thing is like, mm-hmm. you know, even if it doesn't come out looking realistic, there's still and, and you don't have to actively be thinking this during the movie, but there's still this something in the back of your head that is like, wow, that is a work of art. Like yeah. somebody put yeah. that together. Yeah. Not to not to say that VFX artists cgi artists are not they very are. talented no but, bfx um, is yeah but yeah there's something about seeing like a tactile build like we were saying with the thing every single time it pops up and it does something different you just go wow somebody envisioned that yeah and then figured out a way to make that happen and yeah. so you know you might not be thinking that actively in your head while you're watching the movie you might just be thinking holy shit yeah, but there there is a there is a part of your mind that registers that. Yeah, I agree. At one point during filming, Fillion turned to Gunn and said, "Is this movie actually going to be scary? Because we just <laughs> keep making it funnier." <laughs> he said, "Is this movie? Is it supposed to be a comedy?" Gunn said, "It is a funny movie, but it's not a comedy. It's funny and it's scary." This is in the commentary they were saying. Yeah. <laughs> The, the scene in which Bill is attacked by a mutated deer uh, was originally supposed to be much bigger mm-hmm. with the script calling for a much more grotesque and detailed deer and more action in the fight. But Gunn says as the movie was they were working on the movie, he kept borrowing money from that movie to give to other scenes until it was essentially whittled down to a little uh-huh. more than a sight gag and and the recurring punchline of who rescued who from the deer but um uh-huh. gun has noted that it it is easily his least favorite scene in this in the movie and when it shows up during the commentary he says i hate that stupid muppet deer <laughs> he's also says he's a little disappointed in some of the worm vfx that haven't aged too well um yeah like in the barn when they first kind of burst out and there's a scene when they kind of surge over uh-huh. everyone they, they they don't look great yeah but the vfx team you know they really did some really great work especially i think one of the the best shots of the film which was you know f- figured out by the vfx team is when kylie's in the car and the windows are slowly like blackened yeah by the worms yeah. coming over it um they did that the vfx team did that by generating just a plain black graphic of these worms coming over a white screen and then they projected that just through an old school projector onto the car windshield and that oh wow that, um effect of the the worms kind of covering the windshield so some aftermath the uh movie debuted to great reviews from critics i think it sits now at like an 87 on rotten tomatoes one critic who did not care for it was our boy roger ebert who just doesn't really strike me as a fan of body horror yeah he, um, roger ebert got disgusted pretty easily by a movie and if a movie disgusted him he was out he was he was checking yeah. out well he he didn't like it but he he has a weird review mm-hmm. he has a very it's like he when turns you look, he turns the review into like an indictment of the star system at the end there which yeah is pretty interesting. it's weird it's like because you go it's like he gives it he gives a review two stars two out of four i'm like oh he's gonna hate this but then he ends it with he goes there are better movies opening this weekend there are better movies opening every weekend but Slither has a competence to it and ability to manipulate obligatory horror scenes in a way that works. Which, at the end of the day, I feel like even the negative reviews that you sent me or I, I've read, they always say, like, oh, it's well made. I just don't like this type of... Mm-hmm. I don't like this movie is basically what it is. Yep. But yeah, despite most critics, um, mm-hmm. you know, really seeming to appreciate it, it was, uh, it was dead on arrival in yep. theaters. 
movie only made three million dollars opening weekend it finished its theater run with a 13 million dollar gross which was two million less than the production budget and definitely missing the mark when it comes to adding in marketing which the usual usual uh yeah thought is that you double Yeah. yeah you double your production budget with marketing so we're talking a 30 million dollar movie that made 13 million in the office um the next week hollywood reporter put out an article pondering if the failure of slither might represent the death of the horror comedy genre although Shaun of the dead had been a surprise hit two years earlier mm-hmm. we were now seeing an extremely well-reviewed horror comedy and i think the hollywood reporter says like the best reviewed horror comedy in years yeah lose at the box office to stay alive a pg-13 horror movie with frankie muniz about a killer video game do you remember i don't remember anything about this i don't remember stay i looked up it's got adam goldberg's in it i was like i don't remember i don't even remember this coming out mcg produced it this poster is odd yeah but that that beat um that beat slither at the box office that week and ice age the meltdown was number one that week ice age i side thing ice age just a fascinating franchise to me never seen it never seen a movie but somehow it's just like a billion dollar franchise <laughs> i saw the first one but did okay. not continue with them um the article notes that horror audiences have drifted toward much darker content in the mid 2000s specifically the subgenre of torture porn yeah you know last last mm-hmm. year in october we talked about the way that the scary movie movies kind of killed off the horror yeah. comedy yeah and i and i wonder if that's not you know that itself is like this pendulum swing to like we don't want absolutely anything light in our horror movies we just want it to be as dark as possible but in the uh in the article they they interview the king of torture porn himself eli roth who is a friend of guns yeah and um he notes that he's just says audiences at the time don't want to laugh at horror movies they want to be terrified and that's what he he gives them and 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 roth makes some interesting comments just about the horror fandom in general Mm -hmm where it's like they talk about how they want original original horror movies but then they're all going to the remakes and not the original horror films yeah um yeah, he, yeah he talk, he's like yeah everyone says they want something original and then slither drops and nobody goes to see it <laughs> yeah but like but but halloween 2 from rob zombies there goes, goes out and you're like let's go see that film also a friend of james gunn um not to, i haven't seen the movie so i won't comment so they're bad i'm just saying like but it is it is kind of funny that that two of his friends are are like yeah dominating yeah because because that is such a specific era of horror film is when it was just like yeah let's just get rob zombie to make like it as dark as possible (laughs) roth closes the interview by noting that he thinks slither has the potential to become a cult film saying in 15 years nobody's going to be watching ice age the meltdown everybody is going to be watching dvds of slither and um it is 15 years later and you watched dvd of the commentary for slither <laughs> i mean i watched it on amazon prime uh is it on prime still or where's where's it's that on a, it just switched oh, over to peacock, peacock on like okay. october 1st gotcha yeah uh <laughs> universe that's that's universal they probably you know universal owns it so they probably yeah. leased it out to amazon and then they're like ah, we want it back for, for october yeah we want that for october yeah uh yeah roth wasn't wasn't fully right about the dvds over the streaming they they couldn't predict it fully there eli um Uh, but uh but yeah it's it it has had a lasting a more lasting impact than ice age in my opinion yeah yeah gun has noted that of all his films uh it's the one he gets asked about the most by fans interesting and it's also enjoyed a resurgence this resurgence this year 
we talked about some of the similarities with the Suicide Squad, but I, I think there's also a lot of people who saw the Suicide Squad just really knowing Gun for Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. And the Suicide yeah. Squad is is a really interesting kind of happy medium between his superhero work and his kind of trauma B movie genre kind of stuff. So I think a lot of people who who watched the Suicide Squad and went, oh, this is kind of fun, all this blood and guts. And then other people go, oh, well, you have to see Slither. So yeah. it's still continuing to uh, to get new viewers. So, Brandon, what uh, what works in Slither? Well, a lot of things we've said. I think the cast is is great. I think they all have great chemistry. Um, again, it's it's the film really balances the horror comedy uh, line. It really walks the tightrope of horror, horror comedy very well. And it, um, like I said, I think again, like I said, there's always a great, there's always a good scare, but there's always a great kind of comedic line that follows it. And I think that really kind of it it. it it makes the film really work within that genre. Um, again, I, I like, I, I like like small town, something goes wrong movies, mm-hmm. basically, especially when they're done well against, like I think of invasion, of the body snatchers with the, the original one, the fifties one. I really like the, just like sleepy town, nothing really happens here. And then something outside their but basically something happens and just kind of terrorizes this town some way. And, because it's a small town no one really cares outside of their bubble basically it's just like this is our problem and you're getting to see kind of these people who would never have a lot of excitement in their lives or anything eventful happen where it's the biggest event in in billy and starla's life is that she almost ran away to hollywood one time and he was going to go with her and now all of a sudden they're being attacked by an alien parasite (laughs) Mm -hmm. that's come to town so i like how they i like how gun kind of um uh works in that genre that kind of old school vibe uh in a way it's very much it very much is a 50s 80s tribute it's again it's because mm-hmm. the way i said the body horror genre is like it's in the 50s and then kind of the 80s are the two kind of peak moments and he's he definitely draws inspiration from both those eras very well and kind of honors them very well in this film yeah absolutely i, I agree with all that yeah i think he you know, it's one of those things that we talked about last year with the horror comedies is like so much of, of horror itself is homage. You know, so much yeah. of, of horror movies are just building off of what's been done before. And comedy is the same way. And so if you do, you know, if you make a movie and you go, I'm going to pay tribute to the thing and Cronenberg, like you, you got to you got to you know cash the yeah. check that your mouth's writing exactly exactly <laughs> and and they i think they do i think the the effects here are incredible and that's that's kind of why i wanted to bring it up this month is because it is a film that is playing off of all of these other films that we're talking about this month but also manages to cement itself as you know some of the best creature effects in these movies that we're talking about so i think that's what makes it really kind of unique is to be able to make a movie that is kind of a parody of a genre, Uh but also sit squarely within, you know, some of the best of that genre. Yeah. And feel original while doing it is Mm -hmm. is the thing. No, I agree completely. So did anything not work for you? I mean, I've said before, I think the lot, some of the CG stuff really doesn't um, work, work for me. There's also like, (sighs) there's something about, mid 2000s movies that just like 
they exist in that world. Does that make sense sometimes? Just kind of like the, the, the way it's shot. Like, yeah, like I, it's just something digital. about it. Yeah. It's like, it's not, it's like, I don't know if it's, it's one of those, it's that period where like, and I don't, cause I don't know if this was shot digitally. Or this was shot with film. We talked about this, I think one point within that, in our John Dahl episode of like how, like there's certain movies that like it feels like digital, but it's actually shot on film. Mm-hmm. And and again, I'm not a big in the whole like film digital debate. And sorry if you guys hate me for that, but it's like I, there's that certain people like it's it's feeling digital, but it's actually film, or it's digital, but it's it's very it's a very weird kind of period, and and maybe it's just because it also might just be like the preservation of the movie. I, I don't know of how of how it looks in that way, um, but that, yeah, just it. it it's a film that really exists in this specific period. Does that mean? I don't know if it's bad. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Or I good. Just, um, it just has that vibe of this era. I already, I mean, we're a couple of days into October and um, I've already rewatched the entire Scream franchise. And when you get to Scream <laughs> 4, yeah. when you, it's just, yes, it's just, oh, this is a late 2010s That's movie. <laughs> like, early, yeah, early 2010s. Yeah, or, yeah, yeah early, late 2000s. Late 2000s early 2010s, looks, yeah. It looks so different from the other three. Yeah, there's just something about it where it's like it's. I don't know if that's di- again. It's like you don't know if it's digital or film. But it just even a film movie can have a digital look to it in a way. I mean, you kind of said it too uh, two weeks ago with Shotgun Stories, where you thought it was digital. I was like, no, no, no it was film. And you're like, oh, <laughs> but again, it was like it was mainly like 2004 based because it's like, it's that mid 2000s era. And then with, again with Scream Four, it's like yeah, it just gets glossy. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying this is glossy, but I feel like you could, you can make this film where it's in terms of when it's darker in terms of like the visual style, it still feels like light. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like it just feels light still. So yeah, maybe that's a pet peeve of mine. Maybe I'm, I'm yeah, that's just a thing. How do you feel? One thing that I, I I'm still uncertain on is these, mm-hmm. uh, there's a, there's only a couple of them in the movie, but the little like, x-ray shots that he does oh no i don't like that <laughs> i i kind of i kind of lumped that in the cgi part um because mm-hmm. it was the x-ray shot when it goes into rooker that's why mm-hmm. i said like oh is this what this movie's gonna be <laughs> like is this what i'm gonna see the entire film and i was happy that it did i didn't see a lot of it yeah that was i was not a that was when i wrote down on my thing that's really why i said cgi effects don't don't hold up well here like it yeah. just it just I doesn't think we- I don't think we need to know that that thing like immediately it, goes don't. to his brain. Like we don't. I think yeah. we can assume that that, that little yeah. needle thing goes straight to his brain. It, yeah, I feel like we. Uh, that's another thing too. Is like in a specific era, it's like we thought like we have to. This is not just this specific, that specific era. It's really any era. Is that I wonder if that's like we have to. We have to make the audience know this is what happens. We have to make mm-hmm. sure they know this is what happens. And this that's why he's acting this way is because it, it hit it hit his brain and it has control over his brain. When well, yeah, I agree. You don't really need to know it. Just have it go in his body, and we now know. Oh, he's different. Oh, it's taking him over. We don't need to explain in this one shot to create some sort of weird effect to explain the 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 why of of mm-hmm. of why he gets how he gets taken over. Basically, the how. So, moving on to our alternate universe cast, the only thing I have here is that the uh, the radio operator was originally supposed to be a much smaller part, but the actor dropped out. So oh. Jenna Fisher was kind of around set at the time because she and Gunn were married at that point. Mm-hmm. So he fleshed out the character a little bit more and put her in the film. So like she's in the 
office so we have to yeah yeah by the time it came time for, to promote the film they were filming this i think like in the hiatus after the first season of the office uh-huh um, by the time it came time to promote the film in 2006 the office was entering its second season and gaining success so fisher was put on the publicity tour for the film despite her small <laughs> last minute role she was uh, on the tonight show the night before the premiere talking about it so some film facts we got uh-huh. we got a few that i've picked up through the through the dvd commentary okay <laughs> and and dvd special features um yeah. the practical parasites used in the movie they made like a thousand of them although yeah. m- many of the ones we see on on the film are, are cgi uh-huh. um they were made from a type of non-toxic gel originally developed for dildos <laughs> And their tails were controlled by an off-screen puppeteer. So they've got some footage of when the one when they're doing oh, the gosh. one with Kylie, and there's just uh-huh. this guy standing right off camera with a string, <laughs> and he's just like flapping it back and forth like crazy. <laughs> okay. Uh, before becoming well known for his needle drops, uh, Gunn wrote the Air Supply song "Every Woman in the World" into the script because he had always thought of it as a love song that sounded extremely creepy when you actually listen to the lyrics. <laughs> the barn used to house Brenda was rented from some Buddhist monks oh who agreed to allow a film to be shot on their property because they love the Matrix. <laughs> That's such a random thing to say. Yeah, we love you guys do movies. We love the Matrix. Is Keanu gonna be here? They probably haven't seen many movies, so yeah. yeah. Little little cameo of a future. I don't know. If, I don't know if a star, a future proud Canadian uh, actor. I don't know if you noticed, but the the young man drawing a a nude picture of Starla in her classroom at the beginning uh-huh. is a uh, Dustin Milligan of Schitt's Creek. Oh wow. I missed that. Yeah. Very, very young Dustin Miller. Very young. Um, yeah, James Gunn cameo as well, I saw as as, yeah. like a, te- as, as a teacher. Yeah. yeah, as the teacher talking to Starla. Yeah. yeah, and Rooker's just like, I know what he wants. <laughs> <laughs> so Gunn says of all of the homages that he built into the film, he most often gets people accusing him of the movie being a ripoff of the film Night of the Creeps. And it's funny when I was when I was looking up articles about this film, I saw a couple of like reviews and, and yeah. kind of message boards of people like this movie is just a Night of the Creeps ripoff. And Gunn says the funny thing is he had never seen he hadn't seen that movie before making this movie. Uh-huh. And he said he just thinks it's funny that people get mad about him ripping that movie off when he ripped off so other, so many other <laughs> movies in this. And that's the one that he didn't actually rip off. He was like, oh. Now we watch *My of the Creeps* and see. There, there are too many, honestly, too many horror Easter eggs in this movie to sum them up here. But I did want to pick out two that tie into other movies that we've discussed specifically on the podcast. You talked about the bathtub sequence relating yeah. to shivers, but there's also one specific shot in that sequence that is uh, taken from *Nightmare on Elm Street* when yeah. Freddy's claws yeah. are coming out. Yep. Uh, and then Greg Henry's character, Mayor Jack McCready is named after (laughs) jack burton and from big trouble in little china and rj mccready from the thing both kurt russell characters yeah and then uh gun would go on to work with kurt russell over 10 years later in guardians of the galaxy part two speaking of gun collaborators rob zombie like i said has an audio cameo in this film as the doctor that starla calls to check in on grant he has Uh. had an audio cameo in every gun film except for the suicide squad really Mm-hmm. Wow, what is he in the other movies? Um, he's God in Super. Okay. Uh, 
he in the first guardians he's the like navigational system on rooker's ship okay and the second guardians he's just like he does some like adr as like a guy in the a crowd of ravagers yeah it's his, yeah, his unseen ravager yeah yeah, yeah why, why was he uh in the suicide squad what happened there I don't know. so he's he's one off from having been in every gun film but yeah. two actors have appeared in every single james gunn film and they are am i guessing oh yeah. is it is it michael rooker yep and is it nathan fillion yep yeah, Rooker Rooker has has really been in every James Gunn film. Fillion's Fillion's fudging it a little bit, but um, Rooker has appeared on screen in every James Gunn film. Uh, Fillion plays a motion captured and voiced a prisoner in the first Guardians film, and in Guardians two he had a cameo on a film poster as Marvel actor superhero Simon Williams. Uh-huh. Um, but that was cut from the theatrical version. There's a in, in a scene you can see in the deleted scenes he's at a movie theater that they've made a movie about the life of Tony Stark and Simon Williams Nathan Fillion as Simon Williams is playing Tony Stark in that movie. It's like Simon Williams is that it was he an actor is what it was or is that what is that like? Yeah, he's a superhero. He's he's Wonder Man in within Marvel Comics, but he is a an actor slash superhero. Okay, two two guys in in all of his movies. I saw I saw recently. Um, on instagram i think james gunn posted a picture of the two of them and was like shout out to these two guys for being in every single one of my movies and like someone was trying to argue with him in the comments that his brother had been in all of his movies he was like one i would know if sean gunn was in all my movies two he is not in slither <laughs> so do you have uh you have any story questions for this one i don't have i mean it's like do you do you think starla and billy have a wonderful life together they adopt kylie and go off to hollywood Oh man, dude, I don't. I, I feel like Kylie doesn't need them. I don't think Kylie needs needs. She like she defended all the defended herself against all those slugs and all that. I, I don't think she needs. Yeah, and she saved Bill from a deer. She saved Bill for a deer. I don't think I don't think she needs them. I think she's good. <laughs> I do. I do wonder what happens to her. Like, does she move out of that town? Yes. Or she, yeah. What I happens think to that did. town in general? Everyone in that town yeah, is true. dead except for that's three fair. people. That's fair. Yeah, what do you do? It's just it becomes Adam and Eve, uh, and and Starla and Billy just have to like create a whole new town. What do you do if you're a realtor in that town? Like, well, this this is a lovely house. There are, I guess, I don't know. Those government sees all the houses. Yeah, and you're like, well, look at this house. Uh, there were uh, pregnant alien pod people in the basement. <laughs> it the smell of rotting meat has has cleared out. But do you, do you think it was fully killed at the end? That's that's the other question. Like, it could there be a slither too? I mean, there always could be. Yeah, I mean, I think there, I think it ex- that that you know the that species exists on other planets. Yeah, still, but but I think the one that specifically came to Earth and was in Rooker is dead. Okay. Oh yeah. What 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 did Rooker do? Does it say like what is his job? Because he's like the richest dude in town. Yeah. And he says he like, he has to go to work at one point. Yeah, I think that's all they say. Some yeah. some sort of industry, you know, probably like a cattle ranch or something. I don't a cattle ranch do you have do you have cattle in south carolina yes we have cows in south carolina we have cows are you like a cattle i don't know what's the main what's the main form of industry in south carolina my cousin's got a turkey farm i don't know it's very successful (laughs) do you have a question yeah i guess i'm still just kind of questioning grant and starla's relationship i know they go into it in the movie well yeah it's like yeah it says like oh like she need like it's like oh like she's from a poor like she was from a poor family and like 
you had to yeah do like make it or whatever but yeah it feels it feels odd that that mm-hmm. was like a relationship yeah i think it's i think it's just that small of a town that like she was homecoming queen and he was like all right i'm the richest guy in town you're gonna marry homecoming me queen she's gonna she's gonna marry me <laughs> once, once you turn 18 um you think they're already married before she even went to college i think it, yeah maybe it was i mean i wouldn't put him past him to be like yeah you go off to college you that's come fair. back we're getting married i'll pay for the college yeah <laughs> i mean that's that's the that's the interesting thing with grant is like we we don't see grant that much he's we know that he's kind of jealous yes. but like so like you come out of this movie thinking like oh grant's a grant's a douchebag but like and gun gun does say during the the commentary like when he when that is the moment that thing goes into his body he's dead like it might yeah. be able to access some of his memories but like nothing yeah. nothing he does any further than that is grant at yeah. all yeah well it's it's like the thing it's the like the thing they can have the memories of people or even invasion of the body snatchers like they have memories of the character but that's they they've lost their humanity that's mm-hmm. what it is they've lost their humanity and they're gone and you can't really bring it back all right awards time all right let's see who we have beatrice straight award for an actor or actress with limited scenes that kills it it's me it's it's it depends on what you if you consider greg henry a beatrice straight i don't think so he's, he's yeah i think he's, he's i think he's a little too I think much he's supporting okay he makes it he makes it to the final four then, of then survivors I, then i would i would have to say jenna fisher then as shelby cunningham okay for me are you gonna say brenda i was, I was gonna go brenda that's fair okay there's something wrong with me <laughs> but that's fair if she's in probably the best scene of the film it would make sense to give her beatrice straight so i'm fine with that i'm fine with uh brenda james uh x-factor award annie potts x-factor award for supporting actor or actress that is the most memorable it has to be rooker right yeah like it just has to be michael rooker <laughs> um it's always rooker it's always rooker i feel like he's all i think no matter what he's in but he just has that kind of like not star power, but he has that charisma in some kinda, way. He's kind of got the opposite of that in Tombstone, whereas he's he's just like one of the one of the like various yeah. gang members, but then yeah. he ends up being the one who like you know denounces the gang and joins up in in the good guy posse, and like he's you know one of the last like five guys in the end still fighting for the good guys. Yeah. yeah. Well, he's all—he's also like in Mississippi Burning. He pops up in there, and he's—he's he's really good. But like, he—he's—he goes against Gene Hackman in a few scenes. But he's not like one of the main guys. It's just kind of there, where he mm-hmm. just somehow like kind of pops off screen in these small roles. I mean, like he—I mean, like I mean, go with Yondu. It's like Yondu's a character, but he's not really a main character in uh, Guardians. But he just is that memorable that you just kind of like that's michael rooker yeah i think honestly by the time guardians came out like rooker and gun were such a great like power team that yeah, yeah. Like, gun can't even like make yondu a throwaway side character yeah you know, by the time the second one came around it was like all right yondu's a main character now like yeah we're basically get his yeah. backstory in this one yeah we're gonna give him an arc it's gonna be great oh my god baby what happened to your face it's just a bee sting I'll be all right. I have a little reaction, that's all. Oh, we gotta get you to the hospital. Uh, no, 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 no. I already saw Dr. Carl. Gave me a prescription. Said uh, she'd clear up soon. Said things like this happen. 
happens to people all the time. Come on, baby, don't, don't look at me like that. And finally, our Gene Hackman MVP award, the person who carries this movie. I mean, it's James Gunn. Yeah. Like, it's I, I really don't see any other argument besides James Gunn because it's mm-hmm. fully it's fully him. Um his 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 stamp is on the movie. Um and no one else could make this film in this way. Like it's like when you look at it, like, yeah, say he doesn't direct it and he just writes it. Like, who do you put? in the director's chair for this movie in, in the mid two thousands. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I think, uh, he did, he wrote a movie called the Belco experiment that came out um, yeah. probably five years ago now. Yeah. And, and I think that's, that's a great proof of concept of, of what happens when somebody else directs a James Gunn film. He wrote it, really liked it, wanted to make it was obviously just busy in the Marvel machine as he still is. But now in the DC and Marvel machine, uh, and, and so he brought in, um, uh, I can't remember his name right now, but he's an Australian horror director who did Greg, like Wolf Creek. Yeah. Greg McLean, Greg McLean. Yeah. And so when you watch that movie, it's still got that kind of James Gunn humor in the, in the script, but it, fe- I think what it's missing is that it feels a lot more. You can see McLean kind of directing it like, all right, here are the funny parts. Here are the scary parts. Whereas mm-hmm. if, if you know, when you're watching it, you're like, if Gunn had directed this, those two things would have just blended and been like present together the whole time basically yeah. and it looks like with that uh, movie he, he had wrote that film and or started writing that film in 2007 mm-hmm. the belco experiment i think he said that was one that like came to him in a dream was yep. being like stuck in an office and not being able to get out and everybody starts turning on each other okay so james gunn james gunn our gene, gene hackman Hack- mvp award winner yeah and you know we've talked about the suicide squad a lot this this episode but i think it is if if you're a fan of james gunn's earlier work i do think it's it's really interesting to see him yeah doing a superhero movie you know doing what he's come to be known for in the last couple of years but yeah with that kind of and obviously not a b-movie budget at all yeah <laughs> but but with that kind of b-movie sensibility to it and that was that was something he always wanted to accomplish with that movie was um talking about he, he was always bringing up like b-70s action movies yeah um like the kind of stuff that you know tarantino's talk or i guess late 60s you know the kind of stuff that yeah. that uh that leonardo dicaprio's character in once upon a time in hollywood yeah, it would is be in, in, you know yeah, yeah. 14 fifths of mccluskey like, <laughs> <laughs> like doing that kind of stuff but then you know when they shoot somebody making their heads actually explode yeah so yeah it's a if, if you haven't seen that one yet and you are a fan of his earlier work or if you're a fan of guardians but you're interested in diving a little bit more um maybe you might not like this if you yeah. like guardians of the galaxy yeah Slither might not be up your alley but would you, would you do super would you, would you would they would you recommend super if they'd like guardians or i don't know yeah. it's, it's still yeah. a dark Super's it's still a dark dark movie. it's a dark movie yeah super's probably his darkest film yeah <laughs> not not his goriest film in any way but, it, but it's, it's darkest dark. i agree with you on that where is the mr pib I told your secretary to pack Mr. Pibb. It's the only Coke I like. Goddamn Brenda exploding like a water balloon. Worms driving my friends around like they're goddamn skin cars. People are spitting acid at me, turning you into cottage cheese, and now there's no fucking goddamn Mr. Pibb. Jesus Christ, Jack, let me get right on it. It was me. I became it. Him. Part of him. Who? Who? Mrs. Grant's husband. 
But he wasn't always him. He came from... It's a goddamn Martian? Martians is from Mars, Jack. Or it's a general term meaning outer space fucker. No, it isn't. Look it up. So, for our final questions, I wanted to ask you if this was, instead of being an homage to body horror, if this was one of the classics from the late 70s and the 80s, who would you cast in this? Okay. I have a few names down. Okay. I'm, I'm trying to see if I can pick a Kylie real quick. That's the, that's the big question. I want to see if I can do that. I just want to look at my films of the era. It is a horror, but I wasn't looking for like horror actors as much. Mm -hmm. I was looking more comedic actors. Kylie, uh, I'm gonna throw out Ali Sheedy for Kylie. Oh, okay, is what I'm thinking. And then for Grant, I have two people, but I think only one of this, the one I have down for Grant, I think works. And I'm, uh, I, I put down Stallone just because I don't know why. I think Stallone would be interesting, <laughs> Grant. He's also in a, a James. He's in Guardians too. Uh, the one that I think would probably make the most sense, Nick Nolte. Oh yeah, for Grant Grant. Nolte would be good. I think Nolte would be really good. Starla. I have two names. I don't know if they age wise they might not match up with Bill the Bill character. Bill I have a lot of. Uh, I, for Starla I put uh Kelly Preston as one because I like I like Kelly Preston's work in the eighties. That might mm -hmm. be she might be too young. Uh, but Kelly Preston is, is kind of is fun and like secret admirer, um, uh, mischief and a few other films. The one that probably would make the most sense though, I have Meg Ryan for Starla. Okay, yeah, I I really want the comedy route here. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, Bill, I have three people down. This is my this is the 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 fun one. Uh, I'll throw him out of the way because he's his name's been mentioned several times. This episode Kurt Russell. You have to yeah. as as a, as a bill. Uh, Kurt Russell is a bill. Uh, then I'll say one I have down Bruce Campbell. Oh yeah, as Bill. Ooh, Bruce Campbell would be a lot of fun. Yeah, and then and then and then a, kind of a, it's, it's an interesting choice, but I like him. Bill Pullman. Absolutely. Yeah, that might be my favorite. <laughs> um, <laughs> Because it's like, Bill Pullman can be really funny, but is a great dramatic actor. And it's also been, in, he was in Serpent in the Rainbow for Wes Craven. So he's been in horror films before. He's in Casper as well. Um, <laughs> which some would count as a horror comedy in a way. Um, but yeah, I think he really, he can, he can get all those different things. And so can Campbell and so can Russell. But Bill Pullman, I think it's just a really interesting pick. Yeah, and that would, that would set this one kind of aside from the... Exactly the other body horror of the time and like it's yeah it sets itself sets you, sets you away from the thing and sets you away from evil dead or something and the horror comedy stuff but bill pullman just makes it it's a it's it's good it's a good casting i feel that was when i was most proud of i was like bill pullman we're gonna have meg ryan bill pullman and nick nolte love it and, and ali sheedy as the as the yeah. four okay let's get that poster made yeah i like it um so does this fit in with any genres other than body horror um, as I said, if it's a genre, it's like that small town, like almost like aliens come to small town in a way. Like mm -hmm. I think of like some like arachnophobia is another movie too. Mm -hmm. Um, that, that with Jeff Daniels, another guy too, would be interesting. Um, 
with that where it's the it's the spires kind of take over the small town it's the invasion of the body snatchers um it's never called the monolith monsters really deep cut there it's these kind of weird just these something comes in and takes over the small town but no one else knows about it because they're in the bubble so that's that's kind of a tremors another one that's in, yeah. in that realm um well there's a i think the high school in the in slither is named after one of the characters from from tremors <laughs> okay there we go um so yeah that that's a small town genre like i said horror comedy we've, we've discussed at length um it definitely fits into there um yeah that's where kind of does like the pod people genre and the zombie genre do they like have some weird kind of intersection it's 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 interesting um let's see i don't know they aren't technically zombies but they behave very much like zombies. well here's the thing when you look up body horror on um wikipedia the the ultra safe source um uh the picture they show is a zombie so it says these violations may manifest through uh aberrant sex mutations mutilation zombification gratuitous violence disease or unnatural movements of the body so zombie movie in a way i guess you could say yeah um it's just some zombie movies don't explain how they become zombies and this one just does yeah i think it's hard too with this one is that like zombies sometimes are not portrayed as intelligent beings mm-hmm. and this one portrays these characters as intelligent beings so that's yeah, what sometimes kind of separated. I, I, I do think it's more yeah i think there's a like i said i think like pod people is obviously just one of the earlier yeah, films yeah. within that whatever this sub sub genre is but yeah this idea yeah. of like an entity or a parasite or something yeah. controlling these people for for a singular purpose is definitely yeah whereas yeah. a zombie is some type of like reanimated corpse who's only out for for blood and carnage yeah. and whatnot yeah um but but still i think they 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 occupy some sort of similar yeah space within yeah. the way like a movie functions around they're very, they're very close in the spectrum together that's that's the yeah. thing they're very close in the spectrum so specifically with body horror this month how does this film fit into the genre well again it's the practical effects kind of push it this way where it's like it's there is a physical disruption within a specific character and then with kind of all the characters in the town and you get kind of different versions of it so you get like the pod people version where they become a become uh taken over by this this parasitic alien but then you have the the grotesque nature of it when it comes to brenda and and grant where their bodies are become uh they mutate in some way and so there is a a a physical disruption of the body in terms of uh, like appearance and aesthetic um so yeah it's interesting because it's it's sometimes you get one or the other Mm-hmm. if that makes sense and this kind of gives you both where it's it's possessed by a thing because it's like with with the thing we didn't discuss this but like with the thing i don't know if they really take they don't take over this person's body they can just mimic it after they've yeah. eaten it so it's mm-hmm. not really they're 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 not going into this person's body they're just they can they change shape basically when this has the two things of like it can take over someone like a pod person but also like becomes a person can become deformed as the parasitic alien kind of takes over uh the main kind of host i guess yeah. is the thing and then they and then they just dive into the uh dive into the main host and assimilate yeah. into the into the goo and, 
into uh, that was man that was that uh, oh yeah that was <laughs> that reminded Whoa. me it, it reminded me of the the you know in, in the thing when wilford brimley like sticks his hand into, oh yeah in the hand uh, the face it just like yeah yeah yeah, yeah. just to see like flesh merge into flesh is such a it's such ugh, a weird vis- visceral yeah, yeah. it's oh man yeah i know yeah i know I, I had feelings about that until watching these movies i'm like oh yeah that, that disturbs me that really disturbs yep. me so yeah like we said this is this is one of those films that is yes it is not necessarily ripping off but but parodying paying tribute all that sort of thing to body horror films that came before it but i do think it it you know creates enough of its yeah. own and does it well enough that it is both kind of an homage yeah. to the body horror genre while it also sits firmly within the list of films that are body horror to bring this in you mentioned his name briefly and not kind of regarding this but to bring to, to mention tarantino here for example we've talked about this i think one of our usc classes this idea of like sampling mm-hmm. of how like in music with hip-hop or whatever you can sample certain certain things uh for a song but by sampling those certain aspects it becomes an original piece mm-hmm. and i think this is that way too tarantino yeah. does that with his films where he takes he takes enough he makes enough homages but still creates a original story behind it and so mm-hmm. in turn it makes those homages or it's part of the original piece as well so it, it alters them in some way and i think gun does that here as well but it's not as apparent to say people that aren't horror fans um that he's doing that any further thoughts on slither brandon that's it that's it for me on slither thank you for uh thank you for coming on this adventure with me that thanks for taking me thanks for finally making me watch it like i said it's one that's been like again now you said it's october it's like now i'm okay let me go watch you know you get to a point where i'll watch horror films throughout the year but once it gets like september i'm like I don't want to watch that now. I want to wait till October to watch <laughs> That's what that. I was, I was waiting till October 1st yeah. to sign up yeah. for Shudder again. And then it got cool on yeah. like the 25th. And I was like, all right, here we go. It was, well, it was 90 here this weekend. So it was, <laughs> yeah, I was like, I missed the seasons in the South, baby. Um, well, yeah, well that's next week. We're doing a little different movie. We're having a guest come on for that. We're doing the plan right now is to Akira, the, the Japanese anime film, some might not say it's body horror, but apparently it is considered body horror in, in, in certain realms. So we'll discuss that next week of how it fits in that category if you haven't seen it. But yeah, that's all we have for you on this episode. Make sure you subscribe to the Nation Podcast and our podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, wherever your podcast. And if you haven't already, make sure you write us a review on, a, on whatever platform you listen to the show on. Yeah, guys, you know, when I listen to a podcast and they <laughs> ask for people to leave reviews, sometimes I think like somebody else... Somebody else is going to leave a review. They don't need to hear from me, but we do. We, we do. want to hear from you. Yeah. We want to hear from you, and we want to hear from that other person. So <laughs> leave us a review. Yeah. It could be just one sentence. It's totally fine. That Those numbers. You just want to write all all lowercase. doesn't even have to be a full sentence. Great. I think Love someone. It. I think someone from years ago just gave us A+. That's what they put. Yeah. I mean, those numbers help us gain a larger audience, hopefully give us more visibility with people on the platform and so yeah the ratings reviews they help telling your friends helps you can email us to it sonationpodcast at gmail.com if you want to like drop us a line there we like hearing from you all we like knowing if you're liking the show we like to know if you're watching movies that we're talking about if you found something mm-hmm. you love we heard that from someone about tony scott stuff so just do it if you can we truly appreciate it and if you haven't already make sure you last on facebook twitter and instagram thomas as always thank you for joining me thank you for having me
And thank you all for listening. Hope to listen to more episodes soon. Bye.